Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. short of calling this a Christmas special because there's no Christmas jumpers are spread on or anything even though there's a cracking Christmas jumper in the studio next door earlier on I saying I think we probably should have all followed suit but we it is going to be um, a different show because we normally preview one game at a time but obviously it's a, the, we're not going to be back till the new year now so there's three or four games so we don't have any guests from opposition opposition journalists or anything on today we are going to get a couple of Sunland guests on Anyway, we're going to be speaking to Dave Jones later um, from Sky Sports. I'm sure you're all aware of who he is and that he is a Sunderland fan. Um, at the moment, we have Damien Spellman from the Press Association making his first appearance. He's in the studio. Good to have you here, Damien. Thanks very much. And Chris Young, back for the second time, Chris. It is, yeah. Yep, good to have you on as well. It's a very strong lineup tonight. We've got Simon Walsh on the phone now as well, the editor from the Rock Report. Or are you, Simon? Would you like to um, <laughs> offer offer our listeners some clarity on that? Um, yeah, still, still very much, much there. Just um, in a reduced role. I'm kind of calling it semi-retirement. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you've been made like president, like rogue report president, non-acting. Yeah, I'm sort of. I'm sort of like. Um, I've made myself the honorary president. <laughs> sort of thing. Is there anything you wanna you, you wanna go over, or do you just wanna leave it at that? Um, well, people know we've had a bit of uh, bother recently, but um, and we were we did really 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 want to um, kind of reveal all and stuff like that. But <coughs> when things get to the stage that like lawyers are involved and stuff, you kind of have to take their advice, and they said best just leave it. So that's mm-hmm. pretty much what we're doing, unfortunately. So. Oh, I find it well, sad. I think we should we should have goes. some we should have some violin music on. I feel <laughs> I feel all sad and emotional. Well, as far as the site goes, it's still going to go on and get um, just continue to get even bigger and better. Really, we've got some really really interesting things lined up for next year already, and it's going to go to another level. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. And just remind people how how it sort of started for you then, Simon, because. I mean, before the mics came on, Gareth was saying, "Nah, it just seems like it's always been there, but of course it hasn't, has it? Uh, no, well, it started in 2010, um, basically, you know, just reading other people's and stuff like that, and it was kind of like, I'm going to have a crack at this. And it started with just me, and then people, so many people were reading it and wanted more and more stuff, and I needed more people, so that's when a lot of other people became involved as well. So, and it's just working out pretty nicely now, runs itself almost. Almost to the to the fact where you can take a seat back and <laughs> have semi retirement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, um, we'll crack on with the football then because um, obviously because you're not editor now, the v- your value is deteriorating somewhat. So we'll um, <laughs> we'll get you <laughs> we'll, we'll get you <laughs> we'll get you out of the way now. But um, want to talk about the the cup. Are we all in agreement? This is a good thing because a lot of people say you know sides have won the cup and went down and all that. 
from a personal perspective, Chris, I can only say this has been a good thing, not just momentum, but it's given Gus the chance to change things, try new things. It's extra games, ironically, in a funny sort of way, is what we need at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think if they'd have if they'd have petered out to a, a one nil defeat against Chelsea, as it looked like they were doing for much of that second half on Tuesday night, I, th- I think you really would say it was a burden. But the fact that they kept went into extra time and won the game, I think, I think has given them a, a real genuine boost. Um, the question is obviously whether they can build on that now. But I, I think it's ironic that this of all years is the year when Sunderland picked to have a cup run. They've been clamouring it for well ever since they got back in the Premier League, really. Um, and they they would choose to pick the year where the bottom of the league cast adrift to have a decent cup run. But I think even even if they win the cup or got to the final and got relegated I still think it's a good thing I mean in do we remember now that the Milk Cup team in 1985 got relegated mm. or you don't really you just you just remember the Milk Cup getting to the Milk Cup final I think it would be the sim- similar thing in 30-40 years time you wouldn't remember if someone got relegated it certainly caught the fans imagination Gareth the other night didn't it yeah yeah exactly the ones, the ones who were there yeah um, yeah, it was it was good, wasn't it? Good atmosphere, considering there was only that sort of a, a reduced attendance, I would say. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was great. You know, great, good game. Get sort of something dominate the first half. I thought Chelsea dominated the second, and then extra time. You know, we I thought we were the the worthy winners really in the in the extra time. A lot's, a lot's been said, Damien, of Gus Poyet's record when he was at Brighton about not being able to come from behind in the game. And win now. There's somebody on Twitter we should be crediting. Is it Daniel Robinson, I think. Is it Daniel Robinson? I, can't, I don't think so. I can't remember now. But I looked into it as well. I talked to Jabscore, who, if you remember, was the guy from Brighton who we spoke to upon Gus Poyet's um, appointment. And he seems to think that it's it's exaggerated a bit. It's just in the Championship in League One. There was a couple. His mm. very first game, he did. He said the last the last one was April 2011. Mm. The mm. last time. They went behind and then they were one 0 down at Dynamo and Redbridge and they won four three. Mm. But I think I think here, Damien, is it just to prove the fact that I mean I know you, you can't read too much into it, I suppose, but it has been labelled as being relevant by a lot of people. But is it just because he's got better players to work with here? Because his substitutions, for example, have been excellent. I've, I, I don't think I can remember a Sunderland manager who has made positive substitutions mm. in the way Augusto. It, it's not just a pan, let's panic and throw. Conor Wickham for example on in the last 10 minutes and see what happens is it there's, there's method behind everything there's thought behind everything isn't there no I agree I agree his, his substitutions have been positive and that they have made a difference as certainly they did on uh, on Tuesday night they made a, a very positive impact um, I, I just I mean I, I don't know I think at the end of the day though you can make all the substitutions you want if the players don't go on and do it you know, if they haven't got the heart to do it, then then it doesn't really matter. I think the the players deserve a lot of credit for that because I slightly disagree with with Gareth. I, I mean, I thought I thought there was a pretty poor first half on Tuesday night, and I thought second half Chelsea really should have had the game won, but they didn't. And Sunderland kept going, and they got better and better and better. And you're right, they were the better team in extra time, and having got back into it, they looked like the team that was more likely to go on and, and win it, and they, and they they did. Um, and I think that. Above everything is 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 so positive for the rest of the season because they're going to need that kind of fight and that kind of willingness to go all the way to the 90th minute or the 120th minute because it, there are going to be some very very difficult times and I just think that that was a pretty good omen for for what lies ahead. Did mm. individual performances as well, wasn't it? Uh, Barini had a was very 
impactual, wasn't he, when he came on? Simon, do you think? Um, is that a good word? Uh, impactual, cause it is. No? Are you having that one, yeah. Chris? Not one I've heard. I've got no? Yeah. Oh, I've used that yeah. one in uni before, definitely. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, well, you asked to leave afterwards. <laughs> yeah. No? no? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Right. So, who am I talking to? Simon. Um, <laughs> Rainey right. made an impact when he came on. Um, is it important that all these individuals start to do this now? Because over Christmas he's going to be using a lot of his squad players, isn't he? So it's it's important now you start to get individuals stand out. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have to. I mean, it's going to be different weeks where different people step up, and he's going to have to. He's going to have to rotate a little bit, but it's not. He hasn't been overly prone to doing it. I don't think really. Well, I mean, initially while he found his kind of like favoured team. But I was, I was looking at something yesterday, and over the last month, he's only used 16 players. Mm. So, I, I, I but the side's changing, though, isn't it? He hasn't the same side, really, I think, you know, the likes of Barini, he's going to have to come in and start this weekend, definitely, against Norwich for his impact mm. against Chelsea. And then, you know, it might be Adam Johnson's turn against Everton or something, so... Mm. That's encouraging, Gareth, isn't it? Because that that's, looks like it's the way it's going to be now, and he, like... Uh, Sam's just said there he's only used 16 players but like Chris and I just said there you know he's, he's still making changes every game isn't he yeah yeah, and you're going to see a lot more of that in the next four games I think um, up until you know the the, the 1st of uh, January next year I wouldn't be surprised if he you know changes every game to be I, honest I think, I think it'll carry on through January as well yeah. when you look at how many games they've got with two legs of the League Cup semi-final FA Cup third round possibly fourth round possible replays I think for the next month or so it will be changes every game. Mm. I don't want to talk about. I don't want single Craig Gardner out. He's been getting a lot of abuse recently. Now we've singled out Phil Bardsley on the podcast before with different circumstances. So I, I want to look at it this way, um, Gareth. Do you think that in a way his performance, his poor performance, let's face it, the other night, it kind of proves that this three-man midfield we've been banging on about for ages, it proves that it works. Because when you play in a three-man midfield, if you don't have a good game, you're not as exposed as much. It isn't as relevant, is it? And that was one of the main reasons I was saying we should have played that anyway, because these players aren't good enough to play in a two-man midfield. It's an interesting twist on it. Well done. Well, it is. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it. You know, if you the reason you play a three-man midfield isn't to accommodate the fact that you might have one rubbish one. I think it's you know you do. Yeah, but it, it is when you've got a poor be, when you've got a poor squad. It is maybe, that, that that's been a know. big part of it for me. I don't know. It's a bit of a negative approach going into a match picking well, a bottom team. Bottom of the league, Gareth. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying that you, you've got to go. In, you can't go into the, the game with that attitude. Well, no, I, I don't think Poyet sits down, sits Gardner down, and says you're playing a three-man well, midfield because you're not good enough to play in a two-man midfield. The Canio might have, <laughs> possibly. Uh, but yeah. um, it, it looked like he'd been uh, told that the other night because Dean he was I mean he's never usually that great I mean I always say with Garner it's like you know when you speak to somebody who's plays in a Saturday afternoon league and they'll play against uh, an ex-pro and they'll come back and say oh, I couldn't get near him I imagine Garner like going home and going I played against uh, these Premier League players couldn't get near them because he just runs around can't get near the ball can't can't get a foot in it just game passes him by and I think he's like he was obviously you know seems like a good guy good attitude but you know he's just not not good enough for for us at the moment. I think that really that was sort of like the the nail on the head really uh, the other night because well, as soon as Key came on, we we're far better, and you know because you know Key's much better and would the system work better? It, Larson played very well as well in that three. So, um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that's a bit of a 
neg- sort of a negative. You're looking at you're looking at it wrong. The thing is, <laughs> in, in modern football, people do that because you get more out of out of players with lesser ability. Anyway, we're not going to bang on about that. People are sick <laughs> of us talking about three man midfields. But Craig Gardner, Chris, do you think um, is he likely to leave January? Do you think? I mean, I mean. You've got to think that Gus Poyet, as we've said, is he's changing his side a lot. He's going to need a lot of players, so I, I don't think he's going to be in a hurry to get rid of him just now. I, don't, I, think, I think he's vulnerable. I think anyone who is out of contract in the summer has got to be vulnerable in January. Um, the club won't be, in, won't be too keen on letting nine players leave nothing in the summer, particularly if they can get reinforcements in in January as well. I mean, you're saying in today's echo, Poyet, that he, um, that he wants to get his business done early. And if he can get his business done early in the window, then that gives you a bit more opportunity to maybe offload some of those players who are out of contract at the end of the season. I, I think I think Gordon's certainly vulnerable. He has to be. How many players out of contract do we know? Nine. 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 Yeah. And some more. How many of those are first? Larson's one? Larson one? Larson's one, Vaughan, G, Queller, Bardsley. Now you're testing me off the top of my head. Westwood. Kieran Westwood. G. We've been linked with that Romanian, a Romanian goalkeeper, haven't we, in the window? Oh, Who's that saying? Callback as well, yes. Yeah. Oh, callback. Oh, I thought you were naming the Romanian goalkeeper there. That, that would have been impressive off the top of your head. <laughs> um, so, big big game. Saturday is a bit of an understatement. Um, do we think he's going to leave things, Damien? Or changes? He's been making subtle changes. Yeah, that's C- what Clearly, Key's going to play. He came on as a sub. Yeah. Um, like you say, like you like you've just touched upon now, he's going to want to take that momentum from the Chelsea game straight into the Norwich game, doesn't it? It'll be in- interesting to see whether whether he goes for it or whether he, he he plays key where he has played him in previous weeks that that little bit deeper, or whether whether he actually thinks this is the game we've got to go out and win. Let's let's push him up the field, let let Catamol sit, um, you know, get Jacarini buzzing in around Altidore there. Um, but yeah, I mean it. You know, it's it's a cliche, isn't it? Must win game, but I think this really is a must win game psychologically, practically, everything. If if they were, weren't to win or were to lose on Saturday, and teams above them picked up points, that gap is starting to look increasingly nasty. Mm. Do you, do, you, do you get the sense on Saturday, Simon? This is the big biggest one we've had in a while. We've had a few this season, though, because um, we were saying how big the Newcastle game was, and to be fair, the players won that, and the Man City won at home, so. You'd be you'd be full of confidence, Simon, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche sort of thing, but there's kind of a bit of a, a thing about a last-minute winner and stuff like that. And I think I definitely think more than enough in the tank still to beat Norwich. It'd be nice just to have a, a routine victory of sorts, wouldn't it? We forgot it's what no those. Fun, we, is it? Yeah, we, yeah, well, we forgot <laughs> what those are like here, though, haven't we? This is the fix we've been waiting for, isn't it? All season. Yeah. Um, I, I was saying it um, before. I mean, we've talked about it so many times. Like you were saying, there's so many big games. I think this kind of goes beyond any other ones because if we don't win, we're very much cut adrift. Mm. Like even more so than we are now. And three points really, really brings us back into it. Do you think? So, yeah, yeah, it can't be anything less than three points on Saturday. Do you think the amount of games you play over Christmas helps, Gareth? The fact that you haven't got time to dwell on a defeat or dwell on a win. I think if you win the first one. It, it it's good to have them all coming. If you lose the first one, then you've got Everton, Cardiff, and you're going, oh no. Well, in a, but in, in a way, you haven't got time to dwell. You haven't got no, time to sit and feel sorry for yourself for days, have you? I just think you, you know, I mean, the Everton game's an in, interesting one. When you when you look at the Norwich one, if we win that one, 
they can go to a first time, they can probably go somewhere like that and go, oh, we can relax a bit. If we can get a point, that's a good result. Because every every time they're going away or playing at home, no matter who they're playing, they're under pressure to get points. And if the pre because we're, like Simon was saying, we're, we're adrift a bit and we don't want to get further adrift. So you need, you're desperate for that win. If we could just, you know, win that game Saturday and then go to Everton and say, well, well you'll take a point. That's a good result, and then you go into Cardiff. Yeah, mm. result that we haven't yeah, played. Yeah, it would moment, be fun. I mean, Everton are probably one of the best sides in the league at the moment, aside from Arsenal, and the, the way they're playing. So if you can get a point there, you go and you know, and then you go to Cardiff full of confidence. I mean, that's what they've got. That's how they've got to approach it. The four games, you know, they can set themselves probably mini targets over those over three or four games in this period where they've got a lot coming, and say we want you know four points from that couple of games. You want six points from this couple of games. And set themselves goals. Do you think Gus does that, Chris? It's no. down points target. No, no. he doesn't no. do. No. Uh, he, he said he, he said he might do towards the end, end of January, depending on where the league position. But he, he hasn't done. He, he's very much extra pressure on the players, perhaps. Isn't yeah, it? I think so. I think I think one of the good things at West Ham was that the players didn't really show any signs of anxiety, um, considering the magnitude of the game. They really they really played their game. They got stuck into West Ham straight away. Um, and it was very much the hosts who, who looked riddled by nerves, uh, and that's a good thing. I, I suppose by being down there so long, you almost get hardened by it, don't you? And you get used to that, to that, to that, the magnitude that, that lies with every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they can carry that into the Norwich game, that, that'll be a massive help for them mentally. Do you think? Because uh, we, we've played Demi and some of these so-called lesser sides away from home, but since the opening game against Fulham, we haven't at home, um, with the exception of. Well, I was going to say Newcastle, but the Derby game is different anyway. But mm. they're having a great season anyway. Uh, do you think th- when they went to Villa and when they went to um, West Ham, West Ham, and they just just fell short frustratingly? Now, it's it's all well and good going there and not getting beat, but they could have afforded to lose one of those games if they won the other one, and they'll be a point better off than they are now. Do you think playing at home Saturday could just be the little extra lift they need just to get over the finishing line? You, you would hope so because when you look at the the, the home fixtures in the second half of the season, they're they're a lot more appealing. Um, but as the games start to run out, you know the nerves inevitably creep in if you haven't got those results. And I think it is the perfect opportunity. I mean, d- don't get me wrong, Norwich aren't bad. They've got a, some some decent players. Hooper started to score goals. Fur looks a really good player. You know they'll they'll be a threat, and it won't be easy. But if you can win it by hook or by crook, one nil scrappy offside goal, who cares? You know, get those three points on the board, and then that takes you into the next home game against Villa, who were very good away from home. Um, better away from home than they are at home, and then and then so on and so on, and then you can try and build a bit of momentum. And, and to be honest, if you can if you can win six or seven home games, which sounds like a very tall order when you've only won what two all season, um, it, you know that takes the pressure off, as Chris says, mm. away from home. You know, and you know they're not conceding an awful lot away from home; they're just not scoring at home. But if it takes the pressure off, you're going to start picking up the odd point here and there as well, and it all all goes into the pot, doesn't it? Just gets bigger. Every time somebody speaks about it, it just sounds more and more like a cup final now. Um, do you think how important is it, Gareth? That, that, how many points do you think they need on board by the time Villa comes? Say New Year's Day. By the time Villa comes, yeah. Um, oh, between maybe four and six points, if we can get. Do so you yeah. want to maybe possibly write off the Everton game? And, and well, not writing any. Don't no, write no, no, any no. Game but off. I'm saying, in the- if you theoretically speaking, yeah. I mean, saying. if we could win, if we could get a. A win and a draw from those three, and then beat Villa or get two wins and draw with Villa, seven points from the twelve. 
wouldn't be a disaster. I think that's I think that's the minimum they need though. Yeah, because well, you, you you're playing catch up to such a dramatic extent now that if you if you do if you get much less than that, if you get say you only get four or five points, mm-hmm. you, so you think the minimum is seven? I think I think seven yeah. from six or seven from, from the next four games has got to be. So go to Everton and get something, Aiden. Well, well, no, you, you beat obviously you or, win. Or you win. win at Cardiff or beat Villa. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. So from those from those three games, if you're saying you, if you're excusing the Everton game, you want mm. two wins and a draw. At least two. They need at least two wins, I think, from these next four games. How confident are you over that, Simon? Um, I think <laughs> at least five. I think five points is all right. Going into Villa, which could take it to either six. All oh, right, going into Villa. So. Yeah. 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 Are you confident though, Simon? Because it didn't sound too convincing there. Uh, no, because it's ever in a way, isn't it? So <laughs> I've got no reason to be confident. But um, I'd say the, realistically, I think we'll probably have four. I think we'll probably get beat off Everton. I think we'll draw with Cardiff and yeah. we'll probably beat mm. Norwich. A lot of, lot of hedge nodding. It could be a good time to play Cardiff, um, you know, with their situation yeah. that they've got. Um, it's that's you know no matter what people say it's got to be playing on Marky Mackay's mind that the chairman's basically just come mm. out and said it's got to be playing on the players' minds. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, could, I mean, it's could work the other way though, couldn't it? Because the players sometimes play for yeah. a manager the rather than mentality, a regime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it's normally th- these promoted sides who normally do when they come up. It's normally about Christmas to start to start to lose a bit of focus. It's the I clutch every week. I, I find mm. some sort of straw to clutch at. <laughs> like, but is anybody yeah. thinking like that? The Cardiff. Effect could you be wear enough. You got to think as well. Though, I mean, with Cardiff, I mean, and not like like Norwich. Are, I think Norwich are a better team than Cardiff. Mm. Like, I mean, that's shown in the league at the moment. But I mean, I mean, Norwich spent a lot of money in the summer. I mean, Cardiff obviously Vincent Tan thinks to spend too much mm. money. Mm. Um, you know, Cardiff haven't got that many excellent players. I mean, Cam- I mean, Campbell was fourth choice striker here. No matter what people say. Every time he well, every time he scores one of his three goals or whatever, everyone cries from his back. But you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't particularly great. Odin Wingy on his day, yeah. But I mean, Bellamy hasn't really he's been in and out. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Cardiff's obviously and, and actually the goalkeeper's probably been the best player this season. When I, whenever I've seen Cardiff, he always has a an absolute blind. Is it Marshall? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he's looked excellent. So. But you've got to, you know, the games, these are the games we've been waiting for. We've talked about at the beginning of the season how tough it was going to be mm. and the assumption that you're going to lose the games. Well, if the if those games are tough and the second half is easier, then you've got to go on the assumption that those are the games you've got to yeah. win. So. Mm. That, is, that is it now, Chris, isn't it? The, the, the excuses almost. Yeah. If you, if you want to call them that, have to stop. Time now. for talking's gone, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, they're in, they're in, if they're not in the last chance saloon, then they're getting the glad rags on to go out boozing in it, aren't they? <laughs> What's the situation with um, Jack Colback? Has his partner just give birth or is he injured yes, or something? Yeah, he's been, Ill, he's been ill since right. last week, but he's been in training the last two days. Right. As so has Fletcher. Because uh, I'm just t- tackling these four games, we'll just mention the three-man midfield dad. That's going to be rotated, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think I think on Saturday, I don't think his team will be too far away from the one he had at West Ham. Mm. Um, maybe just say comes in for a Saluska or maybe a Colback comes in for a Larson. But... I think predominantly that's his strongest team. That what he perceives as his strongest. Yeah, team? yeah. I think I think he's he's got to the point now where he's sort of hinting that I know my strongest team, and I think well, West Ham was pretty much it. Maybe maybe Colback would have got in if he'd have been fit instead of Seb. Maybe Fletcher would get in if he was in form and fit ahead of Altidore. But I think 
those are really the only two couple of changes that he's that he's pondering at the moment. I think. Mm, I know. I know. We, we can't sort of prejudge the Everton game too much because the Norwich game hasn't been Damien. But in, in theory, you think then he can. Like I said, we, we, no game is going to be written off, but you do think that's a game you might go and just change things and just try and play it as defensively as possible, perhaps. If if we to get a, if we to get a win on Saturday, because obviously mm. if we need, if we get beat on Saturday, a draw on Saturday, he needs to go and try and get a win at Everton, doesn't he? Mm. I mean, let's face it, be- better teams in Sunderland have, with the greatest respect, have gone to Everton and got nothing this season, and, and will continue to do so because, as Gareth said, that they're a good side, mm. playing well, brimming with confidence, scoring goals. But yeah, if you go there with three points, you know, safely banked. Um, you know, do you, do you, you go one of two ways. You either shut up shop and think we'll play for a point, or do you go Rest well? Some, it's a shot to yeah. nothing. Let's let's just have a go. I don't um, think I don't think Poyet does shut up shop or resting players for the sake of it either. I think, mm-hmm. he, and I think he realizes that Sunderland are in the situation where every game is an opportunity yeah, to pick up points. Definitely. Is there a way back for Stephen Fletcher, Gareth? We're back. Yeah. Maybe, but well, he'll definitely come in at some point over yeah. the, over the period, of money. I mean, Let, I mean, let's face it: is that the most still the most likely to score for you? I, I think. So. I think between Fletcher and Altidore, it's whoever scores is mm. almost in the team for the next for mm. the next game. It's like I mean, we, when we, when Altidore scored the other week against Chelsea, he was in for the following game because he'd scored. Mm. And I think it's almost like that with the with the two of them at the moment. Simon, do you think he might throw a curveball back in and play the two of them up front again together? Because he springs that one on us sometimes, doesn't he? I hope not. I really, <laughs> I really hope not. Not after last time. Um, I think when it comes to like Fletcher and Altidore, for, for me they're both kind of square pegs and round holes sort of thing. But I think Altidore's the least square sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, not it's, literally. Like, like I don't think either of them really suit being the lone man, especially when you've got. Your supporting players like Jacarini and Barini and Johnson relatively wide. I don't think either of them suit it at all, and it's it's difficult to to pick one really. Like you say, I mean, it's, it's going to be whoever he particularly fancies. But I think for me, Fletcher it doesn't suit the role very much because he's just too static. Mm. He, he doesn't. I like to play off somebody. Salvador's going to put himself about a bit, which yeah. is a bit. But Fletcher's probably a better finisher. So what do you do? That's, you know, yeah. we're not really teeing up the chances. So you need someone that's going to run around a bit. Does that make you think Gareth he's going to look for a forward in 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 the window? Because Simon's just made the point now that um, we spoke about it on the pod last week and possibly even the week before that we've got one striker who finishes, we've got one who puts himself about and has has the movement, and you, mm. you need someone who can do both, don't you? Really. In an ideal world, they oh, don't come cheap, do they? No, yeah, oh, no, no, no. And no. is he going to have that much money? Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, what was Danny Graham? Five, six million. Yeah, he's not going to. You wouldn't think he'd have that money. To well, spend I, th- on I the think. Strike. Well, I think you know, Poyet's going to look abroad, isn't he? He knows that market a lot, a lot better than O'Neill does. You, you would, you would hope. But Brighton, he, he certainly utilised that, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he looked, at, he looked a lot at La Liga. I think he's signed four or five players from there. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if he looked at that market. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think he will go for a striker. I don't think he would. I think he's got to prioritise. Yeah. I think fullbacks and a goal-scoring midfielder. That's what, exactly what I think he'll go for. I think. Do you think he'll go for two fullbacks? Even because he seems to like. He seems no, to like Bard. Uh, he, he does like. He does like Bard. Like right, yeah. Maybe. May, I think probably another natural left back, a left-footed left back. But, but, but we've been saying that for a, yeah. a year or eight. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look at Desena, don't you? And like all of a sudden you're going, "Where's he gone?" Like he's disappeared, like he's not at left back anymore, and then you kind of think, well, yeah. what's going on here? He sort of disappears for, sec- he's, for he's, sections he's of the game. He's one of 
sort of not made my mind up about. If mm. I'm being honest, you, you see, sometimes you see something, sometimes you don't. But well, he, got, he, he's, he seems to get sucked in really easily and then turned. Like you'll get, you'll get drawn to the ball, get too tight, and then they'll spin in behind him. And like that's how they scored um, the other night, Chelsea, didn't they? They sort of got in behind and down that left side, our left, and scored. Um, it's you know, I, I quite like to say in some ways, but you know, it's a bit like maybe Neil was saying from the Anfield rap is like, you know, he's sort of a maybe like a left back version of Nyron. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he does stuff, and you think that was pretty good, and then the the stuff that he probably should be doing, he kind of doesn't do very well. I mean, Shilutska sort of went off the boil, but I thought he had he's had he's been okay in the last few games. Um, I'm a big fan of well, we're both. Thought we were quite impressed with Shilitsko, weren't we? Originally, I thought he was the best. But you got to give credit to Bartley because at the moment he's the mm. full back in form out he of is. them all, and he he's is. done very well to come back in. And it's interesting that you know he hasn't got. He's like you've seen. He's one of the ones we've got to say who's done in the summer. We've got Shilitsko who's going back, and we've got Bartley out of contract. So another summer searching for full backs. Yeah, <laughs> well, he needs to do. I mean, if he, he needs to do it, you know, if that's a priority, he needs to do it. He needs to start that search in January. And get what at least one in in January, so they've got that security for next year. Yeah, I mean, when you look at how Sunderland have played under Poyet, I mean, the fullbacks are almost supplementary wingers, aren't they? They're, yes. they're the ones delivering the crosses into the penalty area. So, so you need players who are comfortable on the ball and be capable of getting forward. Um, so, I, I think I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he made a move for a left back now. So we think left back, and then we think. Uh, this new centre midfielder will perhaps need then just need to be a little bit more dynamic because I think Gareth mentioned to me before that Larson had a decent game the other night and I think he did and, 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 yeah. Yeah. and people know that I'm a critic of Larson but I don't think it's because he's a bad player I just don't think he's got enough and it's back to that three mid man midfield thing Damien it's if Key and Catamall have cemented their players we need somebody else who can just give us something a little bit extra though because with the greatest of respects to Larson Gardner They'll come in, they'll put a performance in, but it's not great. They, don't, they won't grab the game by the scruff of their neck. No, I mean, they're very different players, aren't they? Larson's a ball player, really, and, and Gardner's a man who will charge on, or in, when he's been at his best, has charged on and got into the into the box. But I think I think the thing with Seb Larson, he's, he's never been particularly quick, but I, I don't know, he seems to have lost half a yard for me, and that, that sort of precludes him from playing out wide. Um, and I think the angles aren't quite right for him playing you know, so sort of that bit narrower. There's there's less of the pitch for him to work work with. Um, but I think when he when he plays well, I think he distributes the mm. ball very well, which is something that, you know, obviously Key does. But you know that that can be a, a, a good weapon. But it depends what kind of player you want to be in there. If if you know you want somebody who will make those late runs into the box, they probably haven't got that. You know, mm. because Gardner's not really doing it at the moment. I think as Chris just said, you need you need goals in there mm. because. You can praise Catamol and Key to, to the to the help, but they're not they're not goal scores. Are I know Key scored the other night, but I mean, so, someone someone suggested in the press box down at Upton Park last weekend that Sunderland would be all right if they had Poyet the player. Mm. Yeah, and, that, and that's yeah, yeah. exactly what they need. Yeah, absolutely. That's so a... hopefully he can spot one then if he was one himself. Mm. Simon, I know you were you weren't too convinced originally with Poyet when he was announced. Where yeah, things in you know. Putting things in perspective, you know, bottom of the league, but I don't think anybody else could have done much better, could we? We're all happy with him, aren't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was kind of sceptical at first because I just didn't really know whether he'd be able to make the step, step up or not, really. But, he, you know, he's more than made me moan words on that one, so credit to him. 
And are we going to stay up, Simon? Ask us after Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't because this podcast doesn't come back till the new year. So I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'm going to ask you now. So uh, do you, you, yes, yes, if we beat Norwich. Norwich, no, if we don't beat Norwich, is black and white as that? Yes. Well, no, because we're going to beat Norwich. So yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So right, we're going to now hear from Dave Jones from Sky Sports in the next segment, and then we're going to come back with the question of the week, which will be our last action for the year. <laughs> now have Dave Jones from Sky Sports on the line and I'm sure none of you need to need me to remind you that Dave is um, a diehard Sunderland fan and it's lovely to have you on this evening. Dave, you alright? Very well, thank you. Nice to be with you. Thank you very much. Now, um, I'm hoping that having somebody who's as good at broadcasting and presenting as you aren't isn't going to highlight and expose my weaknesses too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to start straight away and I want to, I want to ask you about Gus Poyet, um, Dave and feel free to to plug whatever you want here because I know you've been a sort of long-time advocate for for Gus after you've done a a show with him and he explained his philosophies to you. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if it probably predates that even. Um, He was someone I was chasing to get on the football show for a long time um, last year because I knew that he would come on and be able to talk in the way that he did on that that particular evening. Um, He's just someone whose philosophy has always interested me, just the way that he took Brighton who, who had so little, really, in, in football terms, um, in a tiny stadium where I'm, I'm sure you've been down there watching Sunderland at uh, the With Dean. It was, it was pretty grim experience. But he managed to turn that into a fortress, in a sense, really, um, and got them playing football very quickly. And these are League One footballers as well, remember. Mm-hmm. And then to take that and actually be successful with it and get the team moving up the league and only really just miss out first time round on the playoffs uh, and then to go again um, with a little bit more backing um, to get them into the playoffs. Really, I thought they should have they should have qualified automatically for promotion anyway. And it was a dead certain to be Crystal Palace. And I don't know what happened um, over the course of those two legs. They missed out. I suspect it was it was probably Wilfred Zaha that that happened. Um, but he's just someone that I think is going all the way to the top, and he will do so getting his football team playing in a very attractive manner. Um, I think he's got a really good eye for a player as well. He's brilliantly connected, uh, and yes, I, I did um, sort of bang his drum when when Martin Neal was sacked, um, and I made it very clear to a lot of people at the club that I thought they should be looking at him. And I know for a fact that he would have jumped at the chance back then, even though he was actually at Brighton. He was he was looking for a way out. Um, I actually had a conversation with him about Sunderland back then, and he yeah. was disappointed that they hadn't been in touch. Right. That's good to hear. Chris, were you, were, were you sort of the same when the first couple of times you supported Gus? Because managers often impress you immediately, don't they? But sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's just something about somebody. I think so. I think, I think particularly when he came into a really difficult situation. I mean, when you, when you think back to how it, how it was at the start of October, we'd had this explosive regime of Paolo Di Canio. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And when, when Poet came on the radar, I think people were concerned that, that Poet would be a, a Di Canio clone, um, mm. simply because he'd, he'd left a football league club in acrimonious fashion. He was another overseas manager. Uh, who who wasn't never short on a word or two, so people were, were scared of that. But I think in his very first press conference, Poet was very assured, and he he care, cleverly tried to distance himself from the figure that De Canio was. He spoke sense. He didn't promise anything grandiose like mm. De Canio or anything like that. He just spoke common sense. And I think he, he's done that ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think there was never a comparison to make between. No, 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 no I, I no, agree. And, and I think that um, Gus would be um, fairly horrified if, if people were doing that. I know. That, I, know <laughs> I, think that, think, I think, think that was the like mood up here, though, Dave. I think wasn't it? Yeah, um, but uh, I, I know. <laughs> Well, I don't want to go to school. I know how what Poyet thinks of Decani, what Poyet thinks <laughs> yeah. of Decani as a manager, um, and he wouldn't be terribly flattered by that. No, I mean, and they, they are completely yeah, contrasting yeah. characters mm-hmm. when, when you mm-hmm. when you come across them. I mean, Decani mm-hmm. is all empty promises as it happened, whereas Poyet is actually delivered. A lot of it's obviously, obviously masked by what you see in the telly, isn't it? Yeah. And then when you actually get to meet the person. But I think Damien talking about Chris just mentioned his first ever press conference, and I was actually doing that for for radio that day. And what, what pleased me the most was because. Again, referencing to Canio again, to Canio came in and says, "Okay, I'm going to change everything from day one. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that." And like Chris said, Poyet instantly said, "You know, it would be crazy to do that because people were worried. They thought, okay, Poyet's got this slow build-up football passing side. He's going to try and implement that here. He's going to have a disaster." But he made it very clear from day one that would take time, and he and he's done it slowly, hasn't he? It, absolutely, yeah. And and the philosophy is working. I mean, you just look there on on Tuesday night. And you see Wes Brown playing the ball out to the full-backs, coming for it back, Lee Catamull dropping short. I mean, people would have been horrified at that last season, you know, because Chelsea were pressing. But they kept the ball, they had the confidence to keep it and pass it. And you can see it's got through all the way through the team. Um, and I think just going back to what Chris said there earlier, you know, he didn't make any promises, but his passion was there from, mm. the, from the start, you yeah. know. But it was more controlled. It wasn't wasn't explosive like his predecessor. Um and you know, a couple of times he's coming after games, particularly after the Tottenham games, he was very down in the dumps, and you yeah. could tell how much he cared about it. But he bounced straight back, you know, and I, I think that's been really impressive. He's uh, he's, ma- he's certainly made an impact in just this this first couple of months. Mm, I think he's made mistakes, though. I would I would say that already. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think initially, one or two of his selections really surprised me, and I think that the the approach to you have to go and win every game wasn't the right one, mm. especially when they went to Hull. I think. Um, and he played Barini, Fletcher and Altidore and I thought this is a disaster waiting to happen you just have to go there I've seen Hull enough this season to know that they're not going to storm through you mm. 
game and then try and pinch one I, I think, just thought that was a, a little bit asking for trouble I think similarly I would say that the Tottenham game at home and Damon's just mentioned I thought he got that wrong as well but I suppose it comes down to David he's mentioned a lot about because of the precarious league position that he's going to have to take some risks in some games and I think it might all be down to that might not and unfortunately the risks haven't worked out on those two yeah, occasions. Yeah, battles, I would say, on that, really. I mean, yeah. just trying to nick one or two points away from home. Mm. I mean, I've, I've been on a record talking about the, the home games that are to come, and I just think that is that is where Sunderland's season will be decided. I think the other factor, personally, was, was that Poyet didn't know his strongest team either. Mm. I mean, he, he inherited a team that, mm-hmm. that had these 14 new signings. It was a hot shot, so there was no natural partnerships or combinations anywhere in the side. So he was almost starting from scratch. He was almost starting from July the 1st of a pre-season campaign mm-hmm. when you experiment yeah. for, for six or seven games and you can still see that now can't you even even in the Chelsea match just gone Damon you, you could still see he's making little changes all the time use Barini slightly different than he ever has yeah. done and he still hasn't figured out mm. quite yet what, he, what I, he's he, after he's starting to say he's getting there and I, yeah, think, yeah. I think he is doing that yeah. but, I mean I think the thing that was very noticeable to me late on in the Chelsea game was when he brought Key on but he pushed him up the field whereas Key's been playing in front of the back four trying to serve the ball from there he's not high enough up the park for me but when he brought him on the other night he let, had Catamol deeper and Key sort of much further up the field and it made the impact yeah, I mean he had the header it was the same he, at West Ham it, yeah, it worked exactly, well yes mm. yeah and I think also with that, if you've got Catamol in that position as opposed to Key, you do have that more natural defensive shield, exactly. which we saw mm-hmm. against yes. Stoke a couple of times away from home when mm. players just ran beyond Key and he didn't have the wherewithal, that natural instinct to go and chase them back in a mm. way that a Catamol would do. And mm. I agree, that looks yeah. a, a bit more of a, a more natural fit. And he, he, he's, he's proved his flexibility again, hasn't he, Dave? Because people were worried that Catamol wouldn't be able to do that because Key, when Key was doing it he was dictating things from the back so much Yet you can't expect Lee Catamol to do that and he hasn't expected him to do that he's just moved things around again slightly hasn't he? Yeah, tinkering, tinkering with it to find his best, um, yeah. best team as the boys are saying and I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, it looks like Catamol has, has found a way back into the side he's just got that uh, well as we all know he's just got that natural leadership that natural desire and hunger um, and that muscular presence that I think you need in a Premier League midfield, which without him I think perhaps is lacking. And I'm afraid I don't think Craig Gardner is the answer in there. Uh, I'd love to see Jack Colback continue to be involved in, in fits and bursts, take him in and take him out of the side. Um, I, I'm just not sure that Seb Larson is a natural in that position either. Maybe here's one for you. Why, looking forward and looking at the impact that Jacarini had in that game um, on Tuesday night, could you play him in front of? or alongside Key and with Catamol behind well we, we've been advocating for that for a long time Gareth hey haven't we we yeah. we'll give you the floor now <laughs> well to be fair to Jaggerini though in the last two games he has floated fought, a little bit yeah. they have all floated about that sort of 4-2-3-1 mm. I guess it is essentially isn't it and they have kind of sort of drifted and mm. got themselves into those positions but you know going back to Catamol you know I just thought he was outstanding the other night and he just goes to show he gives you some dr- real drive in the middle of the park not just in, you know he doesn't just talk you know he delivers and you know his quality that he's got on the ball he pulls a shape forward doesn't he just, when he gets the know, ball the quality he's got on the ball is you know un- because he gets that you know bad press about this this reputation that really doesn't exist to be honest in my, in my opinion I, I does a little well <laughs> I know but you know reputations are created by yeah. having a reputation I mean that's how well, we we saw know. a couple of tackles. I can't remember which, whether it was when he came on a sub um, the other day or, or on Tuesday night. A couple of times where he just pulled out of a challenge yeah. at the last minute, mm. as if they'd been in his ear. Mm. Uh, I've got to tell you a little story about Catamol um, that Roberto Martinez told me one time when I was working with him. 
and we were discussing players that might be going here or there and, and he said uh, he thought Catamont is one of the best players in that position in the country and I sort of raised an eyebrow and he said he's, he's like a, a dog that hasn't been trained properly <laughs> <laughs> that, was his, that was his interpretation of Catamont he's like a guard dog who chases after the ball chase 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 and as soon as he chases yeah. after the ball he's out of position whereas actually what he actually needs to do is run to the end of his gate bark a bit and then run back into his um, mm. in, into his uh, dog house um, how long goes this? How trained. long goes this, Dave? Because this, that, that this was to be uh, probably go back three years. Yeah, because that was something Martin O'Neill worked on a lot, wasn't it, Chris? Mm. With, with well, I think Catamore. I think it's been noticeable the last two games over Catamore. Though I mean, traditionally, he's been charging around the park as as Dave said, left, right, and centre to try and win the ball back and, and increase some inject some tempo into Sunderland's play. But over the last two games, he's been far more controlled. He's not strayed too far mm. from out of his comfort zone, or been forced to stretching into tackles where he has got into trouble with referees. He's kept it nice and simple. He's, he's kept the play ticking over, and then he's come forward naturally when the team's moving and forward. Looks and a much better player. And for he looks it, a much better player for it. Yeah. But it is a fine line, though, isn't it? Because you don't want to take away that channelled aggression. Mm. It is channelling, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. absolutely. It. I mean, the times when he would get a booking and then lose his head and run after somebody and get yeah. a second booking within five minutes—that that appears to have gone out of his game, which is a is a really positive thing. Gattuso yeah. made a career of that, Gareth, didn't he? I mean, not, it's a while. It's a while since we've made an obscure sort of uh, mm. <laughs> comparison <laughs> between the Sunderland players. I just think, think with, with Catamore, I just think it's, it's time that people really start to focus on the things he's good at and. You know, like I said it before, what I think the, the the pass that he's really excellent is picking up the play. when a, when the player drifts into the hole, which Jackarini's excellent at. When he drifts into that gap, he can he picks him out every time. And you see the equaliser uh, in the in the cup game. He, that was a perfect example of that. That was a, that's an incredible pass that he's played into Jackarini. He set that goal beautifully weighted, wasn't it? Uh, and if somebody else plays that ball. You know, if, mm. it, it, for one of the top teams, people be raving about it, but it's cut them all in it, so it's a surprise. Mm. It's not a surprise; you can do it. Does so. a reputation worry anybody? That that Gareth's just said that a lot of it isn't probably justified, but referees don't say it like that. And he goes, "Is anybody? You know, the amount of games all it takes from his one mistimed tackle, isn't it? And that's that's unfortunately. Mm. Well, you, can't, you compare it to the Robbie Brady one at Hull, mm. where Brady yeah. only gets a yellow yeah. and Catamore gets a red. I mean. Mm. That I mean, if if Catmulls is red, Brady certainly is. Mm. But the thing is, I suppose you've got to say he has made that reputation. You know, earlier in his career with some pretty rash challenges, um, and you know he might have shed that in the last year, eighteen months. But he still made that reputation for himself. So it's it's going to take some time to get rid of it. But Patrick Vieira did it. You know, it, mm. you know, he his first season he mm. was picking up cards left, right, and centre. But he managed to get himself back on the right side mm. of referees. Uh, so there was one there was one season actually. I think I done something for Salou on a Vieira when he got sent off at the stadium late, and that was his second mm. his second red card. In a week or something, wasn't it? Again, again, I see what you're saying about reputations, but I just think reputations are created by referees who are given cards and reputations. So the more and more red, you're going to get if the more and more red cards you're given reputations that aren't justified, the more and more somebody's going to yeah. have a reputation yeah. for getting red cards. But then you have to do something about it because the referees yeah, aren't going to do anything. I, I, know. I mean, you look at somebody like you know, like Kabai, for example, mm. who puts Gets in absolutely shocking tackles, mm. and he hasn't got a reputation. No. And you, you just wonder why, you know, and you know, it's you know, there's a lot to obviously speak out of turn, Dave, but the media probably has a lot to do with it. You know, oh, we're terrible, about. honestly. We're, we're a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> media. Everybody uh, in his room works in the media. He would say it himself, you know. Casmo would say himself that he's created that reputation. And if he doesn't give that ball away against Sullivan, charge after and, and, and leave the floor 
and leave a bit on Bray. Um, who was it? it El Mahamadi. Um, El Mahamadi. Then he wouldn't have been sent off. You know, he's made the mistake and he pays for it more than others. But I think it can work in his favour in, in the sense that you talk about Vieira, but Roy Keane would be another one mm. who the, the referees would have a relationship with. He's in that same area as the referee for most of the game, up and down the field. In his ear half the time, he can referee the game with the referee and get alongside him. And if they start to see that he is a changing character, there is more maturity and sense to his game, then he's he's probably actually going to um, fall outside of the law once or twice when he might deserve a card in the future. Like, you know, he, he just needs a run of games where he doesn't think silly. That's what we all want to see. What, what I would say, uh, uh, probably against Lee, is that in in the minutes leading up to that red card at Hull, you could see he was growing more and more frustrated mm. because suddenly it's like the kept, red mist, isn't it? Suddenly yeah. kept giving away the ball, uh, and he did particularly. And, and yeah. that's the that's the time where he's got to try and curb that frustration. He doesn't like that that phrase "red mist." By the way, <laughs> Lee, Lee yeah, doesn't. He, doesn't yeah. he, he always disputes it. Um, but he, uh, he's just got to try and control by, himself. Um, we certainly know, and it is known within football that he has mm. got an edge. Mm-hmm. No, yes. no two ways about mm. it. But I actually think football people like that. Yeah. when players in that area of the field do have that ability to put the foot in and mix it for their team. Well, I mean, there have been several top, top-class players. If you look at people like Dennis Bergkamp and Fellaini has it as well. You know, They're guilty of some shocking challenges, but they do seem to get away with a bit more than, uh, mm, than other people. True. Dave, can you, with you sort of not being in the area as much, can you think about things in a more measured manner than us? Are you outside the Sunderland bubble? Because we're all pretty... Positive. Uh, we're not. No, I'm not going to say we're pretty positive, but we're pretty hopeful about staying up with Poyet in charge. But often, often people look at us as if we're crazy when we say that. Do you? Do you get um, that? Do you think? Yeah, do you I, think I like a Sunderland fan? Be outside the bubble. I mean, no, I can't really think like a Sunderland fan unless I'm sitting watching a game and I'm not working. Mm. That's very different, and I'm trying to approach it in a in a measured way. Uh, often, you know, I'm doing a Sunderland game and they're playing Manchester United or they're playing Arsenal. I'm very conscious of the fact that. The majority of the watching are, are watching for those yeah. teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not watching for Sunderland, despite the fact that we all think the world revolves around the red and white stripes. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm afraid. It's mm-hmm. in the corner of the northeast, but it's a big corner, and there are lots of fans elsewhere. And, and the reason that Sunderland do feature on Sky a lot is because there are a lot of fans, and we do get good viewing figures. And the generally, there's a good atmosphere at games, despite the fact that the team the last few years has been pretty shocking. Um, I think that when I speak to people, obviously I do the show every Saturday now with 150 football fans in the studio on a Saturday night, and it is known within those circles, you know, that I do support some, and lots of people come up and ask me about it, and I would say that 90% of those people say, oh, you've got no problem, you know, the way you're playing, you're going to stay up, and that's the general view amongst football fans, I think, but having said that, we don't have the points, mm. you know, until we've got the points, you can't really be that optimistic, it makes- well, very well playing nice football, and beating Chelsea but you know Stoke beat Chelsea it, it makes it more frustrating though doesn't it it makes it more frustrating though doesn't it when when you because I mean when Blackburn were playing catch up a few years ago and they had Steve Keane and even QPR Redknapp last season with the greatest of respect you never really felt like anything had changed under those clubs no. and there was only one way but you can see a significant improvement here can't you and, that, and like you say we, we aren't making up ground that is really frustrating isn't it the, the danger is that each game becomes must win by the week and this game on Saturday is yeah. absolutely huge isn't it I mean if they win that suddenly you're into double figures and you can start getting closer to the teams and honestly there are six or seven off the top of my head really poor sides in this division and I, would, I wouldn't I would put Sunderland amongst them Sunderland are better than those teams the problem is the start they've had and I go back to the very first game of the season 
oh, the guys were probably all there. But um, watching that game on a monitor in Sky Studios, I was so depressed at, this, at full time. It wasn't because we lost our first game of the season. It was because we lost at home to Fulham, first game of the season. Mm. I just thought that was just hugely significant. If we could go back and have that game again, I think it could be a different story. Yeah, I, I said that we might set up power I mean, in charge. I, 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 I just like going on the record. I'd like going on the record saying that I put a lot of emphasis on that first game of the season. Already, Gareth, it was the most yeah, important one of the season. Yeah, and Gareth was saying I was putting far too much emphasis on it. But it just you got the feeling, didn't you, that if the players were ever going to buy into what De Canio was yeah, all about, they yeah. had to go and win that first game, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember speaking to Tommy Miller when De Canio got appointed um, up here about what he was like at Swindon. And he said, "Yes, he, he, his reputation does does fit with him. He is off the wall. But at Swindon, we were winning games, so it didn't matter. So you bought into it, and that's why that Fulham game was so important. If they if they if they were winning, the players would have bought into his philosophy. Mm, absolutely, I agree with that. And then the fixtures didn't help after that. No, no. that's opening up. First <laughs> five. Can we have the first five games again? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with Poyet. Has anybody refreshed the league table since Poyet's been? Or has anybody been inclined to do that? That's probably something." Somebody should have done yeah. Roker reporter. Somebody should have done that. Refresh. Like, I had a look at the league table since Poyer came. Yeah, like well, refreshed it to say eight what points it, from nine games. So, mm. so what? But if you're going at a point, of, a point of game is fine. If you're going at a point of game with the fixtures we've had, said that before. Yeah, you're doing all right. Yeah. I think said before. I've gone on record as well. <laughs> all this I've gone on record. If you could go back and listen, it's a fact. Um, yeah. Um, if you know, if we can be within three points of. A point a game. Well, by the time we got the Norwich game, that was my hope. We also um, three points at Christmas, didn't we? That me and you said that before. Yeah, but we're not. We're, I mean, we're not going to be there. But you know, would would be. But but the difference is, a lot of people as well are talking about the fact we're bottom of the league, and bottom being bottom at Christmas, and only West Brom has survived after being bottom at Christmas. I just think I, I mean, don't that's think, largely irrelevant. I, 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 yeah, because I the gap. That, yeah, that. it's it's the gap. It's how many points you are from safety that matters, and we're not. It, we're not. 10 points adrift you know it's mm. but, five but, points but that's away. what makes the Norwich game all the more important yeah. though isn't it if they, if they don't win that one yeah. then you've missed the golden chance yeah. to close yeah, that gap back, and then you've got two away yeah. games it's back to the players mentality all over again yeah. then isn't it you have to win, have my, to biggest, win my biggest fear is is um, you know we talked about how well they're playing and, and yes Poets changed that but he hasn't got a striker scoring mm. and that is the problem do you think that's going to be survive if you you haven't got a centre forward who's scoring goals? Well, yeah, you, you, you said he can spot a player. Then, Dave, is that is that going to be one of his priorities? Then, do you think? I would think so. Yeah, naturally. I mean, I would I would hope that Stephen Fletcher is going to be that guy. Um, is he ill at the moment? Is that why he's missed a couple uh, of games? He, he, he has, has been ill, but he's but he's back for the Norwich game. He's been he's bad. been training the last um, two games. He's days. been bad recently. I think Fletcher uh, he, he didn't make any impact. Well, well, I mean, he has, we haven't created any chances, have we? I mean, he's, no. the number of shots he's had is he's only just into double figures. I think this season. You just question um, whether this this system suits Fletcher. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, I mean, he's, he seems reluctant right, to play yeah. two strikers as well, doesn't he? Which I, I think it's a shame in some respects that you expect a striker to score goals because Altidore brings a lot to the side. He's an absolute mm. bull, isn't he? He is. Um, that physical presence is fantastic because it helps others and, and enables others to play. But I just don't think he's going to score goals for no. Sunderland. No, that's right. It doesn't seem that way. I'll, I really like Altidore at the moment. I'd, I'd play him ahead of Fletcher in the system. Mm. Um, I just I know what you're saying, Dave, about um, you know Fletcher not being given opportunities in, in, in your ride, but I just don't think the system's one of those where he's where he's going to get opportunities laid to on a plate. He's going to have to get involved in the game and then come on to stuff, which he actually did quite a lot at Wolves. But 
it's interesting when he was at Wolves that there was a lot of sort of why is he playing Doyle ahead of Fletcher and it was probably for similar reasons that maybe the way they were playing he, he didn't really fit into that sort of style of playing. No, he didn't really, did he? Um, mm. but going back to the pod, uh, what the footballers Bus show did with Gus, and if you heard that, you'll know that the first thing he did was was go and get fullbacks when he was at Brighton. He said that was the most important position in his formation, the way he played. I would say the other important position is that holding midfield position, the playmaker, which if it's going to be Key or Key and Catamol, that looks okay to me. Um, we are still desperately short of a left back unless you're going to play Barzi there mm. and, and should us go to the side but I'm not sure that's the permanent solution I would I wouldn't be surprised if, if a left back turns up mm. in the first no, no I, th- I think he needs he needs full backs and he needs a goal scoring midfielder that, and that's the other key ingredient I mean if you look at all the midfielders on the club's box only Gardner has scored in the Premier League this season uh, and, and that's got to be a worry when you're only playing one striker. You need goals from those yeah, those two central midfielders who've got the license to bomb forward. And I don't think anybody is convinced that God has the answer for that. I mean, Key um, might Key might opt chip in with a few if he's going to be playing further forward, maybe. But I mean, Larson had a, had a very good game actually against Chelsea. I thought it was a bit of an unsung sort of hero in that game. I think I think Seb's improved a lot under Poyet. He's, and he's always gives you the work yeah. rate, but he hasn't scored since no, January. Absolutely, mm. and I think he. But that is. The midfield area, you know, could we bring back and die? You know, there's an option if we got rid of Gardner. You know, that was I think that would immediately strengthen things if you swap those two, and then you know it's bringing in another player who's going to give you something a bit more dynamic in the final third. Um, Danny Graham. Well, well it's, it's funny. I know it's funny as you say. We we've actually spoken private a lot. Um, me, yeah, Gareth, it. yeah, and a couple of other people, to, who, a couple of the Rogue Report lads, and we're saying Danny Grimm's played this system before, and it isn't as outrageous as people think. I don't think Chris doesn't look convinced. Well, looking across the studio, I've seen him for whole this year. I don't think he's any better than he was when he was at Sunderland. I'm mm, afraid. The one I'm, I'm, agree, I'm yeah. wondering about is Barini, and I don't know you guys will know better than me whether this is a, a season-long loan or we have an option in January to have a look at that. Because I think if you get two Premier League loans, they're so valuable to your side. Key is obviously uh, thriving, so we're keeping him. Mm-hmm. But I would be tempted to try and tie up another deal in the meantime and let Barini wander yeah. back to Liverpool. It's so been, it's, be been suge- uh, it's, it's been suggested by a lot of people. Ironically, Barini had his best game for us. I think against Chelsea. Against Chelsea. Didn't Chelsea. Yeah. I think I think he had some urgency to the final third. Mm-hmm. I maybe, I'd, but I do think you can upgrade him. I think if you go and go to Spurs and, and say, right, what can you give us, Mister Levy? You're a lovely guy. Um, I love your work. Um, <laughs> How about Gulfy Sigurdsson? You know, he's not doing anything for you. Can you come and play for us for six months and save us? From what I've been told about the deal, I don't think it would happen. I think you'll be here for the season long, though. Okay. Mm. I, just, I, I just think in the, in the meantime, anyway, I think you can probably get a bit more of a threat if you just get Altidore further up the pitch. He's doing yeah. all his best yeah. work 25, 30 yards out. Get him further up the pitch. Get him into the box. But he needs see. to be involved more, doesn't exactly. he? I mean, I mean until extra time the other night, he was barely involved at all, wasn't he? Exactly. He looked very frustrated as yeah. well. He's body language wasn't great he was a bit annoyed but you can understand it it's, a, when it's a thankless task isn't it the, when it's like that the best bits of our play in the final third always come when out the door and Jack Rini link up though those two yeah. seem mm. to have a very good understanding yes. yeah. so if you can get those two you know if you can get Jack Rini in those spaces and get him linking up with out the door um, you're gonna, I think you're going to get get sort of chances being created and we have actually been creating chances just maybe we haven't taken them I mean hit the bar against Villa hit the bar against West Ham um, 
we had the obviously Jagarini missed that sitter against West Ham. We're probably a bit unfortunate that one of those didn't go in, especially that key chance near the end. So yeah, I'd be more worried if the, that old cliche. Be more worried if we weren't creating anything, but I think we are. We just need to, like Dave was saying, and like everybody knows, it's having that striker who's going to get on the end and put it away. I mean, that's going to be hard, isn't it, in, yeah. in terms of the position that Sunderland are in and convincing somebody to come. Um, you don't want someone, you know, just to turn up for the money. You want someone who's going to be hungry and, and has ability. And that is really hard, unless you can just win a couple before then and suddenly the, the picture changes. I think, I think he wants players as well who can hit the ground running. Uh, I think he's, he's seen enough players coming in the summer who have taken, what, only three months now before we're starting to see people like Giaccarini and Barini come good. He needs people who can hit the ground running straight away, and that's what he's looking for, I think. Absolutely. That's Dave. Before I let you go, can I get it? Can I get your thoughts? Do you think honestly that Sunderland are going to stay up? Do you think they can do it? I like to think so, but I think so much rests on the next six weeks. Mm. Yeah, they need to start proving to themselves that they can win games because we can all talk about it. But what is it? Four, last thirty-one, mm. something like that in the Premier yep. League, which yeah. is incredible. Um, so starting off today, if they win Saturday, I'm going to start to believe again, like every Sunderland fan. You know, and then you'll lose again, and you think you're going to get relegated. Yeah. And so it will go on until <laughs> yeah. May. Yeah. And so, but I, I just do think that looking from at the table from from Hull City down, they're all in it. You mm. know, they're absolutely all in it. And I would I would not Sunderland as a worse side than any of those. Just one of those one or two of those sides might have a little bit more in terms of um, depth of squad, but. They'll all be looking over their shoulders and, and seeing the way that Sunderland are playing. I think that Gus could be the master stroke. It's come a little bit too late for me, unfortunately. But um, I just hope that he stays around long term. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put that on the record as a yes then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, Dave. Good to talk to you all. Okay. Cheers. 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 I'd like to thank Simon Walsh and Dave Jones both excellent guests there I'm sure you'll agree we're going to finish now with the question of the week and this will be the last you hear from us until the turn of the year um, wipe that smile off your face Gareth I'm going to going to hand it over to Gareth yeah so the question of the week Gareth, was... Gareth I'm going to hand it over to Gareth yeah. <laughs> how's that for a segue go yeah. on then um, yeah uh, so the question of the week was um, if you could buy a Christmas present for a Sunderland player what would it be and why um, there was quite a few answers. It's got a bit of Christmassy <laughs> music. Because there was that there was that Sunderland song, wasn't that? It was the Christmas song that would. Oh, the the seventy three. The seventy three thing, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we don't mention that enough. Yeah. Um, so, got a Ben Pagan. Um, he'd buy Salutska a dinner table because I think he was eating pasta in the bath. Posted a picture of himself eating pasta in the bath. So, yeah, and, um, or something, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and a stress ball for Lee Catamore. <laughs> uh, David Moore had um, a mask for Sebastian Larson so girls wouldn't have such high standards. <laughs> um, Tom Huntley, uh, Craig Garner, a shovel so he can bury what's left of his Sunderland career. <laughs> oh. um, Alex Lee, uh, a garter for Adam Johnson as he needs to pull his socks up and uh, he wouldn't bother sending Lee Catamore a card as he's already got plenty. <laughs> Stephen Roth, he'd get Big Al for playing ticket back. Oh, so, I'd say the love hearts flown off Gareth's yeah. head. Uh, Daniel Goodfellow said he'd get Cabral a Rubik's Cube to keep him occupied while he's sitting on the bench um, or in the stands. James Pope, um, he'd get Jack Colback a fake tan and Seb Larson a long stick so he can point from further distances. And he'd give Alpha a hug. 
who wouldn't? <laughs> um, Adam James Rossiter, I think it is. He's got down to AJR. Um, he'd buy Josie Outdoor cardigan because he's never seen a tank in a cardigan. Uh, Richard James Burden, Alfred and I said he was sad the other week, so he'd buy him whatever he wanted to cheer him up. If you just fill it through all Alfred no, and Dye ones, no. put them on. Uh, another Cabral one from Dan, Dan Embleton, who said he'd buy Cabral a fishing rod to give him something to do on a Saturday afternoon. Um, Alan Barrett said he'd get Westwood some huge form gloves. Uh, Michael Todd shooting boots for everyone. <laughs> um, Nick Holden said he'd get Jack Colback a remote control helicopter. Just <laughs> because he thinks he'd enjoy it. Uh, Kevin Bell said um, none, because they're all on the naughty list. Um, and the top two, I think, <laughs> Ryan Frost said, I'd get Fletcher a voucher for the Advanced Hair Studios. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I've noticed that flapping about in the wind as well. It's Did not he, looking I think much better. Got a, I think he already got it done once. It didn't work. Yeah, well, it doesn't. You've got to keep, you keep, you've got to keep buying them. You've got to keep buying yeah. them. Yeah, well, I keep the fallout. You've speaking, got to do the whole I, thing. Speaking again. from experience. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I just I shave mine yeah. off as soon as yeah. start well, going. Wayne Rooney, logic. <laughs> Get hair transplant, shave the hair off. Mm. Um, and the winner was Neil, who came up with the, he'd, buy, he'd buy the title of the Archbishop of Banterbury for Craig Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Bants. Yeah. So there you go. I think that's yeah. fair. Anybody got one? Kind of piggybacked on Luke's of weight, but I'm still happy with that to be the winner. I didn't, I didn't come up with one. I don't think we we give our guests about 30 seconds notice, so I doubt they're too busy that. concentrating on buying presents for your real family. Yeah, <laughs> the real world. Yeah, we're from Sunderland. Anyone? No, nothing. No, you can't. We can't. Can't do compete with that no. level of humour. Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'd buy them any, all of them, any, anything they want for getting rid of Paolo Di Canio. <laughs> so that'd be mine. Well, you could be. You could be out of pocket. Maybe a bottle of ketchup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bottle of ketchup for all shit. There you go. Yeah. That's yours, Chris. You can have that. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'd like to thank Damon Spellman and Chris Young for joining us in the studio, and I'd like to thank you all for listening. We've It's been just a couple of months short of a year, Gareth, we've done this. We started um, doing this. I think it was the QPR game when we got beaten 3 1 was the first game we did. Previewed. March or something I think like that. It was, it was March. Feb- end of yeah. February, start of March. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so it, it, it's it's grew significantly since then, of course. Well, and, uh, like, well it does. You've got to think about it. About twenty people or something downloaded. I'm trying to play it down. I'm trying. I'm trying to play it down. Take it in your, your stride. Yeah, it's come a long way since me and you sat in fifties over a pint and sort of discussed yeah. something. Anyway, and I'd like to thank everybody who's tuned in and listened over the year. And we'll come back in the new year. And the guests. Thank all the guests for coming in and giving every up their single time. guest on the phone who's came in. Yeah, and we can't thank everybody enough for helping us out. Thanks to Rock Report and Salou Sunderland as well for promoting us. And we'll come back. And Spark mm-hmm. FM and Sports Bite, obviously. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Sun FM for originally helping us out. Yeah. This feel like an Oscar speech now. They're going to turn the music <laughs> on a bit. Yeah. Um, but we come if if, if Gareth and I can be bothered, we'll get it, get together over Christmas and try and uh, come up with some. I'm not maybe, seeing you over Christmas. Maybe some new features for the new year. No, I need a, I need a, a firm break away from you now. I'll just be it for tonight and I'll see you in January you know cold turkey yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yes <laughs> you know that's not true I'll tell you in the 50s and you'll be there we are going to go out with a song if I mention the name the future heads I'm sure they need no introduction whatsoever so I'm going to make no apologies for playing any any future heads song whatsoever but we aren't being as unoriginal as going out with beginning of the twist from the stadium thing if that's what you think and I just think this song Listen to the words if you haven't heard it before and it's a perfect summation of the calendar year that was 2013 for Sunderland. 
If you haven't heard this before, you'll enjoy this. Over and out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.